From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, this is Vern Jewett, and this is the Holiness Podcast, and I welcome you uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for joining us. Many of you will know, if you've listened before, that in this podcast, we make an attempt to do a kind of a deep dive, usually, into a particular scripture passage. But the purpose of the Holiness Podcast is to encourage us all to take seriously that wonderful and prominent and very important theme in Scripture that we are to be holy even as our Heavenly Father is holy. This month's podcast has a very interesting topic for us to explore a little bit. It's the topic of what we desire, what we crave, Psalm 51, 10 through 12, records a prayer of David that is very familiar to many of us. Some of you will say it with me as I uh, recite it to you. Create in me a clean, pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Pouring out and through that prayer is David's heart and a strong desire to have the right spirit and to be completely led by God. You can sense it in the words as he speaks it. I would call it a craving, a craving for holiness. Now, my first introduction to the notion of craving or having craves happened in 1959 or 1960 when I was a teenager listening to the radio and my favorite singer at the time was Tennessee Ernie Ford. Now, he sang country music. I was living in Nebraska, but uh, I just seemed to like his music. He sang a lot of blues, and he sang this song entitled Anticipation Blues. Now, seriously, I have to say, I didn't know what craving was. But this song introduced it to me. Now, I'm going to share a couple of verses of it with you, kind of of semi-sing it because that's how the style of the music was. It tells a story, and it begins with these words. She just got home from the doctor. I just got home from the mill. She looked a kind of sheepish, smiled a kind of weepish. I couldn't figure out what made her ill. She looked kind of, I mixed the words up, sheepish, smiled kind of weepish. The answer hit me like a hickory mall. I threw my dinner bucket down, said, I'm going to paint the town. 
I'm going to be a daddy after all. Now, the next verse is when I got introduced to this whole idea of craving. You'll understand quickly. The weeks went by kind of sweetly. Then all at once I thought she had lost her mind. She would rave and she would crave for the things she would crave like applesauce and sauerkraut combined. She wanted watermelon. It was winter time. Dill pickles sat around the house in jars. My, how she'd eat that stuff. She'd never seem to get enough. And at 3 a.m. she'd want candy bars. Oh, you get the picture. Mama is expecting a baby. And all of a sudden in the process, she discovered these strong, strong cravings. Now, when Martha and I had our first child, that didn't happen to Martha, anything like it did in that song, which is just a great picture, until right around the third trimester. Then all of a sudden, Martha began to crave dill pickles. At any time of day or night, this impulse that wouldn't go away came over her and she would have to have dill pickles. And if they were in the house, day or night, I would have to go and find dill pickles. That was my real introduction to what a strong craving is. Some of you may be able to identify with that. I think all of us could remember a time when we were so hungry we could eat almost anything. It went beyond a casual hunger. It was a ravenous craving in which eating was all you could think about. Perhaps you visited a foreign country and couldn't wait until you got back to the food you're used to. A pepperoni pizza or a burger or the, with the works or an old-fashioned ballpark hot dog. It happened to me the first time I was able to visit Israel. We were on the plane going to land at a stop in London and all I could think about was a Big Mac. Imagine the same kind of hunger for the Word of God. Think about how different our lives would be if we had an insatiable craving for holiness. Let me ask you a simple question. What do you crave right now? What do you look forward to most in your life? Be honest. Where does your appetite lead you? I suspect many of us would have to say that we are not hungering, thirsting after righteousness. Many of us probably would admit to even tiny spiritual appetites. Okay, let's do a brief scriptural review of some texts that teach us about our desires and our cravings for God. John 37, verses 37 and 39 out of chapter 7. These are Jesus' words. It was the last day of the feast. And this is what Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. 
If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. If anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink. Thirsting is instinctive. It's intense. In the same way as we thirst physically, you and I are made for God. And our souls are restless until we find our rest in him. Once Jesus has come into our heart and we've been saved, we're born of the Spirit and we have spiritual life. You know it's true. You recognize it. God speaks to you and your heart is warmed and your place is found. Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 is another excellent text and picture of the matter of craving for God and his word. We sing a chorus. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. That's a genuine desire to be like him, to live a holy life. You see, a half-hearted desire to serve the Lord will never be sufficient. St. Augustine eventually became the Bishop of, of Hippo and a very important person in church history. But as a young man, he would pray, Lord, deliver me from my unholy desires, but not yet. You see, the desire wasn't genuine. He wasn't thirsting and panting for the Lord as the psalmist. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, is a wonderful uh, lesson, brings a, a promise that often is overlooked by believers, that God can not only change us, he can change our desires. Listen to the verse, Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. Did you catch that? He helps us to act according to his purpose, but he also gives us the desire. He can change your desires. Many of us should often be praying, Lord, change my desire and increase my desire for you. The last passage we're going to look at will essentially be our text for the rest of this podcast. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble purposes, and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself From the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes. Now listen, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Therefore, flee the evil desires of youth 
and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is all about holiness. We've learned over the last two years that holiness is a matter of the heart. It always has been. Sometimes we sing the beautiful chorus, Change my heart, O God. Holiness is not about achieving, but about relinquishing and releasing our will to the will of the Lord. I want you to notice something with me. We must not let poor substitutes cause us to lose our passion for spiritual things. Again, I think the idea of craving for food gives us a good way to uh, illustrate this truth. Have you noticed that when you snack between meals, you lose your appetite for dinner? My wife has to be the snack police. When she's cooking dinner, she certainly doesn't want me to snack my way into having only a half-hearted appetite. If you eat junk food, you'll lose your appetite for good foods. One of the, that's one of the things we noticed as our children were growing up. In the very same way, we can fill ourselves with so much junk food that we lose our interest in God's word. Think about it for a moment. It's great to be honest with ourselves as we're looking at God's word. How interested are you in spending a half hour in prayer or in reading your Bible for half an hour? I've kind of learned that after 120 minutes of sitting in front of the television, I don't feel like doing much of anything. We have to be aware of overexposing ourselves to anything that would cause us to lose our appetite for God. The question we're asking ourselves is not whether a particular action or activity is allowable, but whether it's helping us or hurting us spiritually. Wonderful preacher G. Campbell Morgan put it well when he said, anything that dims the vision of the ultimate, that kills the passion in our spiritual life, is a waste. What do you crave? today? Where does your appetite lead you? Show me someone who's struggling spiritually, constantly getting trapped by sin and stumbling in their faith. I'll show you someone who, according to our text, verse 22, is not fleeing youthful passions, who is filling up on mental junk food, leaving no appetite for God and his word. Maybe that's not your problem. You've already removed yourself from those places and situations that are compromising, but you still don't have that passion for God you read about in Scripture. Well, the second part of our text, verse 22, provides you with a key to developing a deep hunger for God. You need to discover where to find righteousness. I need to discover where I can pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord. And here's the key, out of a pure heart. So we not only need to flee youthful lusts 
I like the word adolescent there, but we need to crave and seek that which is spiritually important, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Here's a good practical way we can do that. Many of you have learned this. Find godly people who will influence you, and you will become more godly yourself. When you spend a lot of time around a person who seeks the Lord, you might say it rubs off on you. Try spending some time with someone who loves to share his faith. You'll suddenly have more courage and opportunities to witness. Or try getting together with someone who loves to pray. See if your prayer life begins to change. Something happens when you run the race of life with people sold out to Jesus. And the counterpart is, show me someone who has no spiritual staying power, and I'll show you someone, almost always, who's hanging out with people who have no interest in spiritual things. Flee adolescent lusts. Pursue righteousness. That's our part. We must be seekers of holiness. We must pursue the righteousness of God. Then we will be made holy. Verse 21 said, If a man cleanses himself of the latter, he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. I want to share with you one of the most profound experiences of my life. One of the most memorable, for sure. It took place in London, England in July of 1990. It was an international gathering of the Salvation Army. At that gathering, a man named Major Yin Hung Shun was presented with the organization's highest honor in Royal Albert Hall. Thousands of Salvation Army members from nearly a hundred countries watched him receive the order of the founder. He was 86 years old, but the major was the hero of General Arnold Brown's book, Yin, The Mountain the Wind Blew Here, because he bore a faithful witness to Christ in his native China After all missionary officers were expelled by the government, the army was proscribed. He was separated from his family and other Christians for decades and was sentenced to work camps in terribly bitter conditions. When he was in those camps, each night as he made his way back to where he slept, He would sing very quietly but wholeheartedly a Salvation Army chorus. I sat and then I stood as I listened to him sing these words. And even as he began, my heart was in my throat and the tears started coming to my eyes. He sang, all my days and all my hours, all my will and all my powers, All the passions of my soul, not a fragment, but the whole, shall be thine, dear Lord, shall be thine, 
dear Lord. The age-long enemy, you see, of serving the Lord and lordship is to seek our own selfish ways. Diane Urey, one of the National Ambassadors of Holiness, said at a recent conference, everything that is holy is self-giving. Everything that is unholy is self-interest. And we know, biblically, that the root of sin and disobedience is self and seeking to be in charge of our own lives. Dr. Millard Reed has formed the phrase, the delusion of self-sovereignty, to be a definition of carnal, carnal-mindedness, fleshliness. That, is, that definition is theologically sound and understandable to those of us normal, average Christians sitting in the pews. Oswald Chambers poignantly describes this delusion as my claim to my right to myself. Now, doesn't that sound familiar in the culture in which we live? No wonder making Jesus the craving of our heart and our Lord, our sovereign, and pledging full allegiance to him is such a barrier for believers. But here is the choice we as Christians have every day. On one hand, all my days and all my hours shall be thine, dear Lord. Or on the other hand, my claim to my right to myself. Lieutenant Colonel Alan Satterley was writing in the Southern Spirit in his occasional column when he said this, It's time to move beyond a dose of glory once on a Sunday and move on to the life that claims all my days and all my hours. And then uh, I love Alan's uh, uh, way of words, he says, it's time to quit playing tag with the Holy Spirit and rush to him, utterly abandoning every weight that keeps you from running the, the race until spiritually there is the hunger of the starving and the thirst of the dying. There will be no filling of the holy. Anything less is to live the life of the malnourished in God's land of plenty. So how do we flee youthful lusts? How do we allow the Holy Spirit to change us? How do we pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call out to the Lord with a pure heart? I think one way to think about it helpfully is to say we make him the center of our lives from which we correct everything else. Loyalty to Christ, making him Lord, when that's formed in our heart and confessed with our mouth, then the will and purpose of our whole life is Christ. From that center, we can construct the circumference, the external parts of our lives. I've been a pastor for a long time. So many people have come to me and said, Captain, I try, but I fail. I just can't 
do it. Well, first of all, we don't do these things to be a Christian. If your life is a circle and Christ is the center, then don't try to build the circumference so that it's in right relationship to the center. Stay in the center and move out in the power of the Holy Spirit to construct the rest of our lives, to build the circumference. They tell me it's physically impossible to create the circumference without finding the center of a circle. Well, if we want abundant life, we need to find the center where God is Lord of our lives. Not only will we be holy, but according to that verse, we will become useful to the master. Now, there are many translations of that word useful. In fact, it seems every translation has found a different word. Valuable, worthy, advantageous, helpful, serviceable. What a privilege it is to be called any of those things in the service of the master. And the third thing we're promised is that we can be prepared to do any good work. Now, prepared there doesn't apply to any sense of having the skills. It speaks instead of being ready, a readiness, willing, without hesitation, without reluctance to serve the master in any task he desires. You see, when God's people have been made holy and useful and prepared to serve the master, how much more powerful is the church in fulfilling our mission in the world. When you seek after him with all your heart and mind and soul, when you crave spiritual things and the relationship with God that he desires, then you make Jesus Lord and the limitations of your resources are suddenly gone. The doors are flung open to the power of God and the Holy Spirit in your life. Yes, it's true. I can't. You can't. But God can. I want to share one last story with you before we return and look at David's prayer in closing that we began our podcast with today. This story is about a man named Brigadier Joseph Korbel. He was a Salvation Army officer in Czechoslovakia at the time of the Second World War. He and his wife were lieutenants and were officers at the Prague Citadel Corps. Now, he's very famous for a book he wrote. Some of you who are part of the Salvation Army listening will have read it. It's called In My Enemy's Camp. And it tells the story of the brutal way he was treated and uh, the way he suffered during decades of being in captivity to the communists. He was left to die several times, and many miracles took place in his lives. But he wrote a second book later, which is a series of anecdotes, stories about his life and ministry. 
He retired eventually in the United States Western Territory. This book was called When the Gates Are Opened, and he tells about a day when he and his wife on a Saturday were with their two children in the flat they lived in, the apartment up above the Salvation Army Corps in Prague. Now, that may not ring a bell with many people today because Salvation Army officers in most cases have an apartment or a house that is provided as a parsonage. But I can remember my parents were officers in the first two corps where they served that I can remember we lived above the core building in a flat or an apartment. Well, this was a two-bedroom apartment, and their two children were very young. Helmuth was two years old, and his sister Olenka was six months old. Now, every parent out there is going to understand this phrase. Brigadier Corbell said he and his wife were sitting in the living room, and the sudden, unusual quietness alarmed us. They knew the children were awake. And if the children are awake and too quiet, you better find out what's going on. So he and his wife tiptoed their way over to the door between the two rooms, peeked their heads around the corner, just in time to see their two-year-old son, Helmuth, very gently placing a rubber stamp on the chest, stomach, legs, cheeks, and forehead of his six-month-old sister, Alenka. It was the stamp they used for the songbooks, the hymnals, and the Corps. And it said, Property of the Salvation Army. Now, it's kind of easy to picture that, and it causes us to chuckle. But when Brigadier Corbell visited our very first appointment as lieutenants when we were in Waycross, Georgia, he stayed with us for a week, and we held meetings every night. When he told that story, he stopped and he said, yes, it makes me chuckle too. He said, but every time I think of that story, I want to stop and ask the Lord that my life would have property of the Lord Jesus Christ stamped all over it. That's someone who is craving God and his spirit, who is craving to be a faithful servant of God. And every part of our lives can be used by him if he's stamped all over our lives for his redemptive purposes. In closing, I just want to challenge you I'm always challenged when I think about craving, but especially as I think of David's prayer. And let's make that our prayer as we close. Create in us a clean, pure heart, O God, and renew right spirits in us. Do not cast from us your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us, but restore to us the joy of our salvation and grant us willing spirits to sustain us. 
Well, I pray that the Lord has spoken to you, even as he has to me as I have shared these thoughts with you this month. Our prayer is that you and I will more and more seek to give the Lord our whole spirit, soul, and mind so that we can become vessels that are used by him and we can be as he charged us to be, holy as he is holy. We will see you next month and look forward to it. May the Lord bless you and join us uh, in March as we come back and have the Holiness Podcast. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at SalvationArmySoundcast.org slash holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend. They can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. Thank you.